afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Port here for the Rob Report nights, uh, nights WTY AM. As you quit reading email when I go on air, right? Can't read and talk at the same time, or at least it's very difficult to do that. Takes some serious skill. Yeah. Anyway, finishing my uh, my my opening uh, banter here. Nine seventy WDAY AM ninety three point one FM. Natil, you having a good afternoon? Yeah, pretty good so far. We're expecting some rain this afternoon and evening, which I think we're all looking forward to. I mean, it's all been a steady. It's been a steady soak up here in Minot all since about five this morning. Oh, that's fabulous because that's really what we needed. I mean, it might be too yeah. late for for some of the farmers, but I, I think even still at this point, we'll take whatever we can get. Exactly. Exactly. Good news. Uh, uh, by the way, speaking of that, uh, Congressman Kevin Kramer, of course, it's Wednesday. So later in the program, we'll have him on for his regular open phone segment. Uh, it's it's completely open to you. I'll ask questions if nobody else does. But if you have comments or questions that you want to get the congressman on the record about, you can do it. Uh, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. That's coming up in the 130 segment. Uh, right now, you know, talking about the rain and obviously the drought and, and the impact on agriculture in our state, um, it's it's pretty interesting. A- agriculture is still one of the most important. You know, ag and energy are, are are sort of the twin pillars of North Dakota's economy. Agriculture, historically, obviously, the most important. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what sort of an impact that has on state revenues because we haven't seen it yet i mean the drought has impacted the crops whatever you know outcome and it's 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 looking like it's not going to be great uh whatever outcome that is is going to impact state revenues but for the time being and i wrote about this this morning for the time being it, it seems as though we may have found rock bottom in terms of the state's falling revenues you know we, we've come through the last couple of biennium where, where revenues have just been declining um, it seems like, you know, not hitting forecasts. And, of course, the forecasts are what lawmakers use to budget, so that has implications for state spending. Um, the most recent report, and this this was the final report of the 2015-2017 biennium. That biennium ended on June 30, 30th. This report from the Office of Management and Budget, the final report for that biennium. Um, overall, if you had to guess how much money we lost out of the, out of the general fund, or I, I shouldn't say lost, um, how far down we were compared to the previous biennium. Would you care to even posit a guess? I don't even know that I could posit a guess. I, it's got to be in the many millions of dollars. Over, yeah, $1.68 billion. Okay, I, I wasn't sure it was going to top a billion, but yeah. we, topped, One, we topped a billion and a half. Yeah, we, uh, it, was, it was down 29%, 2015-2017 biennium compared to the previous 2013-2015 biennium. Um, Obviously not good. I mean, we had to make that adjustment. I mean, the, the budget or the, the general fund was $1.68 billion higher in 2013-2015 than it was in this biennium. So that's that's pretty tough. Um, I, I think one thing to keep in mind is that we're down from an oil boom peak. That 2015, or excuse me, that, that 2013-2015 biennium that we're comparing to, that was the peak of the oil boom. I mean, North Dakota has never taken in that much in uh, in revenues even down where we are 29 percent we're still up significantly higher than the last pre-oil boom biennium so you know overall i mean th- this is the new normal and I, I i think that's that's the piece that a lot of people miss when we're talking about north dakota's budget is that 
it was those boom time revenues were never going to last, you know, and I think it's unfortunate that some of our state leaders spent like they were going to last and they didn't. Um, and so now we're adjusting to a new normal, but the new normal is still we got more revenues than we did before. Now, what's going to be interesting is how uh, is agriculture going to hit this? When is the other shoe going to drop with this this drought? What what implications are those going to have for revenues? Because it it's a lot of different things. It's income taxes. It's sales taxes, right? If the farmers and ranchers don't make that money this season, right, if they have to tighten their belts, they're going to be spending less. If they're spending less, that impacts the sales tax revenue. So there's all that going on, uh, and it's, it's pretty interesting stuff. But but for now, it looks like the, the March forecast that lawmakers use to budget, it's on. We're actually up about $27 million by NEM to date. That's about 0.7% up above where the forecast was. So that's good news. The forecast seems to be on so far. The problem is, are we going to get a whammy now with with commodity prices and and with or are we going to get a whammy now with this drought? I guess not so much commodity prices, but if if the production isn't there, is that going to be the next shoe to drop? I don't know. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday dot com. But for now, it seems the budget is simple, which moves us to another budget question. And this is something uh, the Associated Press has been reporting that the state of North Dakota is still trying to collect some money from the federal government uh, for those Dakota Access Pipeline protests. Uh, Previously, Governor Doug Burgum had requested uh, uh, an emergency declaration from the Trump administration. The Trump administration turned us down on that. Um, Now we've applied for $13.8 million in funding through an emergency law enforcement fund through the Justice Department. We'll see where that's coming from. But we're talking about $38 million in expenses that this ran up. And and this is bringing back the question, why doesn't the pipeline company pay for it? And I guess I'll ask the callers that question. Should the pipeline company pay for what's left? I mean, obviously our, our budget situation has stabilized, but... Things are pretty tight. Lawmakers had to slash and burn. There's not a lot of extra money rattling around in state government. Governor Doug Burgum has said on this program earlier this year he wants the liability for North Dakota taxpayers for those protest costs to be zero, and I agree with him. I'd like that too, but I'm not sure it's possible. Should the pipeline company pick up that tab? Now, there's I don't think there's any way for the state to force it. Kelsey Warren, CEO of Energy Transfer Partners, offered, should they pay? 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. I don't think they should, and I'll explain why after the break. This is the Rob Report on 970 WDAY AM and 93.1 FM. We'll be back right after this. So go away. Welcome back, Rob Report on 970 WDAY AM, 93.1 FM. What do you think? Should the pipeline company, I mean, North Dakota's budget situation, it's stabilized a little bit, but we don't exactly have a lot of extra money sitting around. It's a $38 million bill that North Dakota taxpayers so far have picked up. And, you know, state officials are trying to find a way to get reimbursed from that for that from the federal government. Uh, the the pipeline company, Energy Transfer Partners, offered to pay for it. And, and by the way, I'm not even sure that offer is on the table still. Energy Transfer Partners is apparently selling off their stake in the Dakota Access Pipeline. 
Uh, so Kelsey Warren's eye may not even be relevant anymore. I, I'm not even sure that they're going to even be part of the project anymore. I doubt that they're going to still want to pick up that tab. I don't know. But supposing the offer is still on the table, should the pipeline company pay? And and I don't think so, and here's why. I'd love to hear what you think, though. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. I don't think the pipeline company should pay, and here's why. The pipeline company were the victims of those protests. I mean, it's, 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 it's just the truth. What Energy Transfer Partners was doing down in South Central North Dakota was trying to build a pipeline. They followed the laws. They had their permits. Now, obviously, those permits have been taken to court and they've been litigated and everything else. But, you know, the pipeline company adhered to the court's orders. Right. And at and, and no point was the pipeline company just going rogue and ignoring the law. The law allows for pipelines to be built. The company was trying to build a pipeline for which they had permits, for which they were permitted. The protesters, on the other hand, organized by political extremists, and, and by the way, not everybody in the protests were extremists, but there was a core group that certainly were that used vandalism, that used violence, that used trespass and other sorts of illegal obstruction to try to block the pipeline. They set construction equipment on fire. They blocked highways. They fought with police. Those were the tactics that they chose. They chose to do those things. Nobody made them. Nobody forced them. Nobody put a gun to their head and said, you have to block this highway. You have to set this bulldozer on fire. Nobody did that. They chose to do those things. So because they chose to do those things, and because law enforcement had to respond to those things, it ran up a bill that ended up being $38 million. Because we had to call law enforcement not just from all over the state of North Dakota, but from all over the country. Ohio, Wyoming, Montana, I mean all over the place. And we should be glad that those those officers came. But the state of North Dakota has to reimburse those other states and has been reimbursing those other states for those expenses. Now, it's in, in, in a perfect world, honestly, the state of North Dakota would be able to collect that money from the groups who organized the violent, illegal protests. But that sort of litigation would be costly in and of itself and would have little chance of success. So probably our best bet is to collect this money from the federal government, which, I mean, I don't know. In the grand scheme of things, we're all federal taxpayers, too. So, I mean, does that really change much? I don't know. But right now, it would sure help out North Dakota's budget if we collect it from the state. But the one person who should not have to pay is the pipeline company. Any more than you should have to pay if you called the police because a bunch of people showed up and vandalized your house. Right? You, you, you shouldn't have to pay out of pocket. Because somebody else victimized you. If you were the victim of targeted, coordinated, organized criminal activity, as the pipeline company trying to build the Dakota Access Pipeline was, then you shouldn't have to pay for the police response. You're the victim. And and, and the last thing, I, I have been worried. I didn't like it when the pipeline company made this offer to begin with. I thought it was silly. I thought it was a... It was a it was a bad decision to make because I think what it sets is a precedent whereby there's some sort of an expectation that the oil companies pay 
for the law enforcement response when protesters show up and cause problems. Right? I mean, that if anything, that just gives more incentive to these these envi- these zealots to show up and cause problems because they're going to know. Well, well, that's another facet. That's another way in which we could create headaches. We could create financial pain for the company trying to build the pipeline. Now, I get it. Not everybody likes pipelines. That's a political stance, and we can have a debate about that, and that's fine. But what's beyond debate is who should pay the bill. And honestly, I would rather have the taxpayers of the state of North Dakota pay the bill for the law enforcement than the pipeline company. Because the pipeline company didn't do anything wrong. I mean, I I guess unless you hate pipelines, but even then, it's not criminal. If you don't think companies like Energy Transfer Partners should be able to build pipelines, then you know what? Change the law. But right now, the law allows it. The pipeline company was following the law. And to the extent, if they didn't, if they violated the law, they should pay fines. But what they shouldn't have to pay for is for the law enforcement response to the thugs and goons who showed up to riot and try to block their pipeline. Kevin emails, Rob, they weren't protesters because their actions became criminal when they became riots. The federal government has a billion-dollar program for Indians to buy back land. North Dakota should file a lawsuit against that program and the tribes and all other parties. I mean, maybe. I mean, maybe there is some sort of a legal solution. Maybe there is some way the state of North Dakota could file suit and recoup those those funds from the people who organized the protests, be they the tribes or these various political groups, what have you. Maybe there is, but I, I think that's a risky road to take because lawyers cost money, litigation costs money. We could spend a whole bunch of money, and the chances of winning that lawsuit, i got to say, probably aren't great. So I don't know. It's a sticky wicket, but I can tell you the one person, people, the one group of people who shouldn't pay is a pipeline company. Because when you're the victim of a crime, you shouldn't have to pay for the cops when they show up. Con- Congressman Kevin Kramer up next for our regular open phone segment, 701-293-9000, You're listening to The Rob Report on 970 AM and 93.1 FM. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report on 970 WDAY AM and 93.1 FM. I'm having trouble with the call letters today. There are worse things to have problems with. I guess. You know, we were talking a little bit about uh, the who's going to pay for the, the pipeline protests, and uh, Sean uh, sends a message. And, and the question was whether or not the pipeline company should pay. Uh, Sean said the question, says, uh, there's a way ahead here for the state and energy transfer partners. I agree uh, making or asking ETP to, uh, to to pay for law enforcement services is not right, but any taxpayer, individual, or corporation has the option to voluntarily choose to pay more in taxes than they owe. ETP could simply choose to send the tax commissioner more money as they pay their taxes. This could be a way ahead to a win-win. The problem is I don't think that is a win-win. I, I don't want to create the expectation that a, a company trying to build an infrastructure project uh, is in any way obligated or expected, or th- be it through tradition or custom or whatever, I don't want to set a precedent here whereby if a bunch of political zealots show up 
and and start rioting and setting things on fire that that the company is expected to pay for for any part of that. They shouldn't have to pay. When you're the victim of a crime, you shouldn't have to pay. That's that's my point. So I I don't think they should have to pay at all. I think we should just drop that and figure out how to pay for it through through other ways. Anyway, uh, enough delay. Congressman Kevin Kramer joins us now for his open phone segment. If you want to join in, comments or questions, 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Congressman, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, and I, I very much appreciated your monologue there. That was, I have to say, I agree completely, uh, however... You know, what's sort of ironic about this is that the, the um, leadership at Energy Transfer Partners, I think, would like to help. <laughs> and that, that's the, sort of the irony of it. They, they don't feel an obligation to help, but they feel sure. some uh, a spirit to help because North Dakota and North Dakotans have been so good to them. And so it is a bit of a catch-22, yeah. you know. And, and But you're right. We don't want to start renting our police departments and sheriff's departments out to to uh, corporations. Right. And that, and that's I mean that would be on people would perceive it that way. And it would that's be unfair right. because that that wouldn't that's not at all what we're doing. That's right. Um and and also I I mean again, you know, energy transfer partners, love them or hate them, like the pipeline project or not, right. they didn't do anything wrong. Right. They followed the law. You know, they got right. the permits, they went through the process. Um, you know, and there's there's been litigation and everything. They've abided by the court's orders and everything else. So, okay. you know, they're not the ones who are setting things on fire. They weren't blocking highways and fighting with law enforcement. That wasn't the pipeline company. I don't understand. Why I don't they know if you noticed, Rob, but the people who were setting things on fire have admitted to it last yeah. week in a in a. Uh PUC hearing in no, proud of it. Iowa. I mean, just, yeah, we're proud of it, exactly. And they call themselves nonviolent protesters, and then they go on to talk about how they used, tor- used uh, you know, blowtorches to cut valves and, and uh, burn, you know, burn equipment. It's just kind of unbelievable. They, oh, yeah, they, they set pickup prison. trucks on fire. Yeah, they set, yeah. they set uh, construction equipment on fire. Uh, you know, it was, it was just unbelievable to me. And it's, it's amazing how the narrative around that just, I mean, it, it so focused on the pipeline company and their security guards while, you know, and, and listen, I'm all for holding everybody accountable. But, exactly. you know, I mean, if, if, if you're going to if you're going to focus on one, focus on the other. The, the way the protesters have behaved up here was reprehensible. Uh, they, they really, in a lot of ways, terrorized South Central North Dakota for a long time. A lot of innocent, just innocent bystanders who just happened to live or and or work in the area were caught up on that. It was awful. Um, and you know, I, I don't know. I don't, by the way, here's a question for you. Why has this been such a heavy lift? I, I thought that this would be easy to get some money from the feds to help us pay for this under Trump. Why has this been such a heavy lift? Interesting question because under Trump, um, and, and this administration, one of the concerns they have with this simply granting several million dollars to the state, um, is because really the federal government doesn't do local law enforcement. I mean, that's their fundamental position, and they don't want to start the slippery slope of doing federal or of doing local law enforcement. That even law enforcement, their claim is even law enforcement on federal lands is the responsibility of the local sheriff. Now, the, now all of that being true, and and I understand not wanting to go down this sort of slippery slope. Um, are what I maintain, and I think what most of us maintain, is that. But it was the action of the federal government that, that resulted in this, and the inaction nexus. of the federal government yeah. that resulted in this. And more importantly, it was the willingness of the federal government to allow, even encourage, even permit um, the illegal camping, if you will, and gathering of the effort on 
on the people's land. And so, to me, I think there is a federal nexus. Now, as you know, uh, we have the $15 million, you know, in the DOJ budget for a competitive grant process. The state's, you know, presumably applying for that $15 million grant. Um, but but everything has to be competitive. It's not a earmark. We are not allowed to do earmarks. But um, I, I do hope the state's getting that done because there are deadlines and timelines and all of those things. Um, and then there's the additional issue of this um, lawsuit, which I also hope the state is doing a good job of preparing for because it's a it's a highly technical process to sue uh, in this in this particular you know under this particular realm. So um, you know we we still have some some hope for that. But you're right, it's not as easy a lift as we thought it would be, or perhaps on the surface think it should be. But the reasons that the federal government isn't quick to respond the way we're asking is for the very same reasons that, um, you know, we don't want energy transfer to, to, to respond. Now, the other thing I'd say about that position, Rob, is that there is inconsistency because you've seen how quickly under the Obama administration federal law enforcement were dispatched to deal with the Bundys on a, you know, <laughs> on a, 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 a questionable um, occupation of federal land where there was no violence taking place. And so um, there is a standard that the Obama administration was able to to implement using law enforcement to go after people that they disagreed with politically. But um, so far, the Trump administration has not wanted to do that. 701-293-9000 if you have comments or questions for Congressman Kramer. 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. You know, I, I was reading this article in The Atlantic today. And they were talking about the headline is what Trump has quietly accomplished. <laughs> and they, they, they talk about a sort of public government and a shadow government two two sides. And I don't like using the term shadow government. Right, they're, they're right. Basically, they're talking about two sides of the Trump administration. And it, 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 the article is interesting. Here, here's a quote. It goes with the Trump administration's chaos sucking up all the attention. It's been able to move forward on a range of its priorities, which tend to be more focused on regulatory matters anyway. It is remaking the justice system, rewriting environmental rules, overhauling public lands administration, and greenlighting major infrastructure projects. It is appointing figures who will guarantee the triumph of its ideological vision for decades to come. Uh, the trick here is that the administration and the shadow government are one and the same. Even as the pu- as the public government sputters, other elements of the Trump administration are quietly remaking the nation's regulatory landscape, especially on the environment and criminal justice. Now, it, it's interesting because Donald Trump is, you know, sometimes complains. We see him on Twitter saying, you mm-hmm. know, the, the media is not paying enough attention to what I'm right. accomplishing here. And a part of me wonders is, do, do you really want them paying attention? I mean, isn't it better? It, it, it's it's like he sets fires and then complains that the reporters are covering the fires and not what he's accomplishing. Part of me thinks maybe it serves him well that they're covering the dumpster fire and not all the other stuff he's doing. Well, you, I think it sounds like the Atlantic might have been listening to you and me a couple of weeks ago. I think we were sort of going down this path saying, you'll see the shiny object over here while we're doing work over there. Um, and I, I chuckled because every other day or so I think, well, that was a really strategic idea. And then the next day I think, well, that was really, that's amazing how that turned out. <laughs> I don't know if it's luck or, or strategy. There is something to be, be said for um, the accomplishment side of it. But I also think, Rob, in all fairness, um, our media likes the sensational these days, and uh, and that's not just media bias as much as I like to harp on media bias. It's also just part of the marketplace. Um, 
you know, poli- the media like politics responds to what people want, and and uh, so the sensational is sometimes more sexy to write about, of course, than than an accomplishment here or there, or even a lot of accomplishments. One of the things I was thinking about as you were going down the, the Atlantic list, you know, the, the fact that that illegal um, border crossings are down seventy percent, and the wall hasn't begun to be built yet, is just kind of remarkable. Um, you know, the, the prosecutions of illegal, act- a lot of illegal activity, you know, is another another good one, but. Even even legislatively, we've been able to do a lot of things. You know, we passed, and he signed into law, a VA accountability bill, something that we've never been able to get done under Obama. We, we would pass it often in the House, and we got a real modest version of it uh, passed into law, where one person lost their job, the... the uh, the VA hospital administrator down in in Phoenix, which was the core of the heart of this problem, or at least the, what precipitated the uh, you know the investigations, and she's suing to get her job back. Um, but but we passed it overwhelmingly in the House and the Senate, and he signed it into law, a bill that allows the secretary of the VA to discipline a rogue. Uh, tr- you know, troublemakers in, within the system. Pretty big accountability bill that you know, just passed and became law uh, with very little to no notice at all. I mean, last week in the House of Representatives, we passed four appropriations, four of the 12 appropriations passed the House. We put sanctions on Russia, um, uh, Iran, and North Korea. We uh, re uh, authorized intelligence services in, the, in this country, all of that in a week. And, um, you, you know, you, you don't even read about it in the Fargo Forum. So, um, yeah, stuff happens apart from the sensational and either like i said either it's a really good strategy or uh, but unfortunately if the atlantic did this story maybe uh, maybe the secret's out now yeah maybe <laughs> uh, I, I i wrote it a column not long ago i don't know if you've ever read a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy but i compared donald trump to zappa <laughs> beeblebrox the the yeah. galactic president and it, it's funny because the characters in, in there just aren't sure if, if he's if he's if he's just uber competent or is just bumbling his way and extremely lucky i don't know <laughs> Um, I, I, I love I love I love Ben Carson's quote. He he gave this quote to the Washington Examiner, uh, our, obviously our Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. He said, uh-huh. "Let me put it this way: I'm glad that Trump is drawing all the fire so I can get things done." <laughs> well, I th- I do think there's a lot of agency work, Rob, that is getting done uh, apart from um, apart from the White House. I mean, even even when you think about, I, I was thinking about um, you know his criticism, which got to be pretty harsh, of course, of, of Attorney General Jeff Sessions. And uh, all the while, Jeff Sessions is engaged in investigations of uh, not just uh, Russia, but other aspects of uh, the previous administration, whistleblowers, uh, investigations into uh, into the leakers, um, you know, illegal immigration, all of this stuff going on while Donald Trump's criticizing them, and it looks like chaos. I kept thinking that one of these days the two of them are going to emerge and say, well, we got you good there. Look, look what happened now, you know. Um, but... At any rate, there's a, there is a lot going on in in the agencies that you don't hear a lot about because it's you know it doesn't involve the president. Congressman, thanks for your time. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Rob. It's Congressman Kevin Kramer. Remember, you can always catch him here every Wednesday. We'll wrap up the show right after this. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand. If you want to get in, eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday dot com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. I keep telling myself. That it'll be fine. You... Welcome back, Rob Report. Just wrapping the show up. Jay Thomas, straight ahead. Of course, you'll always want to stay tuned for Jay Thomas. 
701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com if you want to get in in the last few minutes. By the way, Natio gave me a homework assignment. I have to pick out some new bump music for the show. So if anybody's got any suggestions, shoot me an email, uh, rob at sayanythingblog.com, or, or tweet me, at Rob Port. Uh, certainly take your suggestions that way as well. But, uh, yeah, we got to have some new bump music. Getting a little yeah, stale, you, huh? you, need to, you need to refresh. You need to refresh. I think I picked out good songs. I'm not saying they're bad songs. I'm just saying I'd like a few more After to After a while, we need something different. Yeah. yeah exactly. Got to keep expanding the library. You also yeah. had other homework that I had given you that I don't know that you've gone and done yet. Have you seen Uh-oh. Wonder Woman? I have not. Ah, see, that's that's not. the important homework. Yeah, <laughs> I got it. I got it. Well, it's out of theaters now, so now I got to wait till it's released. So I can stream it. I waited too long. I know. I don't know if I can forgive you for that one. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. It's been. I, I haven't had a lot of time for movies and stuff lately. I've been busy. Well, I suppose I can forgive you. I we I did say did I tell you I we I, I saw Dunkirk that's the movie I saw in the theater my dad and I went I there was no way I was getting my dad to go to Wonder Woman well no did um, did you like it though did you like Dunkirk I've heard nothing I, but good things it was very very good um I think the only two criticisms I would make of it was a I I think they should have given more context the evacuation of Dunkirk I think is a part of the World War II story that that American audiences in particular because this was before America's entrance into the war this is what about a year and a half? I think ahead of ahead of Pearl Harbor. Um, so I don't think American our audiences are that familiar with it. And and we certainly we understand that they're pinned on this beach, but I think they maybe could have done more to show why they're trying to evacuate so desperately. You know, we we should have seen more of the Germans. I, I think. Um, and 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 I and, and frankly, the the very courageous rearguard action that the French were fighting to protect the British evacuation. So I think we could have seen that. The other thing is, is I, I think the out of order storytelling just seemed that just seemed unnecessary to me. Um, I I think sometimes you do it to serve a purpose. Like like I can think of movies like Memento, for instance, where, where it's obviously very central to the plot, where we're telling this story out of out of order. Uh, they did it with Dunkirk, and I'm I'm just I'm not sure what purpose it served other than to just be sort of confusing. Um, so I, I those two those aside shot beautifully uh you know everybody who uh who acted and did, did just a wonderful job lo- loved it overall you know it's it's a great story of, of world war ii and you would think at this point there wouldn't be anything left from world war ii that we could after you know generations now of movie making about world war ii you wouldn't think there'd be anything less but this this was a part of the that conflict that hasn't gotten a lot of attention at least from the movies and i was i was happy to see it so it was a good movie i liked it all right, then we're going to wrap the show up. Remember, you can always catch me here 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.